0: According to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, that believers are to make a defense for the hope that you have. Also Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the Gospel. We are commanded to defend the Word of God the context of the Word of God and the purity of the Word of God. This is the Defender of the Word of God. Good
1: evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends. Once again, we are back on The Defender. Today is November the 22nd, Wednesday, 2017, and I am so excited to be on this broadcast with you again I want to thank you for all of you all who are joining me and listening in with us week after week we send a special thank you to the resilient Christian radio broadcast network that allows us to come on here every Wednesday week after week and pour out all that God has given us to speak and to say and I also want to say and especially uh, thanks to you family and friends we we'll take time out of your busy schedule because I know you have a lot to do. I know you are busy. I know you have many things you could be doing, but you chose to spend a bit of time with us on the Defender radio broadcast, and we are so, so appreciative of you sharing your time. As we all know, this season is a season of Thanksgiving, and truly every day should be a period of Thanksgiving, whether it's a noted holiday or not. Our Thanksgiving shall always be unto God who causes us to triumph in his name. So I want to say thank you. A heartfelt thank you to all of you that tune in week after week, taking times out of your schedule to come in and listen in with us. Thank you to all those that pray for us and that are believing in what God is doing in this season. Now we've been extremely excited here lately about just things that God has been revealing and things that have been opening up and you know, this broadcast is especially designed for those who may not go to any fellowship or church home and may be, you know, outside of the per se church or what have you, but know that there is a connection that they want to make with the Lord and they want to know God in the essence of who He is. So in this broadcast, we attempt to bring clarity to the Word of God where it is edible for those who want to understand the construct the concepts and also the conclusions that we receive from the Word of God to make us grow in life so we are excited we thank the Lord for allowing us to do this week after week it is truly a pleasure now before we begin the broadcast tonight of course we Just give a a brief backdrop of where we've been. Uh, We started back in March of 2017, and so we're progressing on through the year. And we can truly say that God has been faithful, that he has been adding to the numbers weekly, and that testimonies are coming in that people are getting blessed, edified, and delivered because of the broadcast. So we are extremely thankful for that. So we want to open up tonight with a word of prayer. We are back at the desk. Uh, we did have an incredible interview a couple of weeks ago with a good friend of mine, the artist known as Noriz. And so we're going to be having more guests that are going to come on the show that are going to be testifying about the goodness of God. So stay tuned for that. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Can we do that? Let's do that. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for the broadcast. Thank you for the participants, the listeners. Thank you for those that we are reaching out to in the airwaves. We thank our international audience, God, that are tuning in from other countries. We thank them and welcome them. Father, now let every ear that is present tonight be able to receive from you and to be able to hear something that will change the dynamics of their life. Father, we thank you that every ear listening is in a place of prostrating before you, asking for forgiveness of all of our sins and our trespasses, that we may be able to come to your throne room boldly and petition you for those things that you have promised to us. So, Father, we bless you tonight. Let this word be a powerful word that will transcend time and space and circumstances and make an imprint in our lives. Father, we thank you for it and we receive it by faith. It's in Jesus name that we pray, and everybody agree with that said amen. All right. So, we are back at the desk again like I say and you know when we come to the defender, you always need to have your utensils ready. Anytime you come to school, you got to have the utensils that are ready. So, that you can apply what you learn and have valuable instruction that you can go back over again. So, you must have a Bible, access to the Bible. Uh, some people have it on their phones, some people have it on their, their pads, and, or some people just like me have the regular good old book that we can flip through the pages. You hear that? Flip through the pages. And so, we say that any way that you get it is a good way. Each of us have our own different uh, construct of the way we like going about it. Uh, As for me, I like to have the Word of God open in a book form, pages that I can flip through so I can take my highlighter, my marker, and I can mark different things in there and go back for further study. But however God chooses to use it for you, then do that. We are reading out of the King James Version tonight. We're using that version. I know there's many others out there, but for the sake of the broadcast, we are using the KJV version. So if we were going to title our broadcast at all tonight, I think it would be fitting for where we're going and for what we are believing God for. And the title tonight would be, All Things Are Possible. I'm going to repeat that. The title for tonight's broadcast is called, all things are possible now that title in itself we gotta understand the construct the makeup and what we're saying when we speak what we say so we gotta understand Well, we use possible in our language all day every day but we gotta give clear definition to what it means so I looked up a a definition for the word possible and this definition for possible means Uh, able to be done within the power or capacity of someone or something. So I'm going to say that again. The definition for possible is something that is, is able to be done within the power or capacity of someone or something. So again, Our broadcast tonight is called All Things Are Possible. Now, just in saying that, because we live in a natural world and because we live in a material and physical world, to say all things are possible totally contradicts things that we see in the natural does it not? Yes, it does. It does. It totally contradicts that. So we're saying all things are possible, but we've got to give reference to where this is coming from. So we're going to open up the Word of God to a particular story here, and we're going to breeze through so that we can get a proper construct of what we mean or where we grab this phraseology from that says all things are possible. So we're gonna to go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 17. All right, let's turn there. Matthew, I'm turning in my pages, and hopefully you're turning in your pages or your smartphone or whatever you're using. But we're gonna to go to the book of Matthew's chapter 17, and I'm turning there. Give me a second. All right, I'm turning there. Okay, so Matthew, chapter 17 and we're going to start at verse 14 that's where we're going to begin but if you've been with us any length of time you know that we always like to get a proper context of what we're talking about so that we can come up with the right conclusion okay you have to have a proper context to get the right conclusion so in this a couple of things has happened before we get to 14 The first thing that happened is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he was transfigured in front of his disciples that came up to the place with him. He was transfigured and they really found out who he was. So that's really what happened before that. I won't go into that part of the story right now for sake of time and what we're dealing with tonight, but... This was an incredible thing that happened right before their eyes. He was unveiled to them in all of his glory and totally just astonished them and and blew them away. And so right after that is where we're coming to right here. So we're in 17, chapter 14. Now, in this particular uh, script here, it talks about the failure of, in this particular Bible saying the failure of the disciples well that can be a connotation of how we are because i always say that anything that you see in the word of god is a direct indication of what you and i are and that's a picture of humanity with all of his strengths with all of his weaknesses with all of his victories with all of his failures these are all things that pertain to The human dynamic and the human family. So, we're picking up in 14, and it says here, it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, So, let's understand that something incredible just went on. The transfiguration of Jesus before the disciples, and now there's a multitude that's there, and this certain man rises up out of this multitude. He comes to the Lord, and he comes, and the first thing that he does is he kneels down. So what is that to say for you and me? Now, we're talking about all things being possible. Now, you'll see in this particular story here that this man is wanting something from God. He is wanting something from the Lord Jesus because the thing that he is dealing with is totally out of his hands. He has no power whatsoever to control the outcome or the circumstances of what is going on. So he needs the Lord's intervention. So this is a picture of what it's like for you and me. Many times we are dealing with instances. We're dealing with situations that are so out of our control, so Much bigger than us, that we need the Lord's intervention in order to get through that situation. So, here we see that the man came kneeling down. That is indicating that this man came with the right attitude and in the right position. So, that's the same thing for you and I. A lot of times we come to the Lord and we know that He is, and we know that He is capable, and we know that He is able. So our attitude and our position, we already come in the right way. We come with a prostrate spirit before the Lord because he came kneeling down. So he was given reverence, he was given honor, and he was given respect unto the Lord. Let's read in verse 15. So he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And that word lunatic is another word that means moonstruck. Or you would hear that back in those times, and even to present day times, you hear about lunacy or people being a lunatic, or when the moon is full, then people act a certain way. So there's a lot of uh, phraseology and references as to how the moon has a direct impact and effect on humanity. Scientifically proven scientifically not proven this is just something that goes around within the culture, but this is what he's saying. he's saying that he is a lunatic, he's moonstruck and so vexed for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water, so there's those two elements that has the capacity to destroy. Do you see that so He's fall, he, says he falls often into fire and he falls often into water. These two things are so prevalent for our society and for us to live by, but yet and still they are so dangerous. So they can enhance life, but they can also take life. Of course, we see that through natural disasters in dealing with fire and dealing with water. So in 16 it says, and so, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they couldn't cure him. So the man's got a son who is out of his mind, or that is struck by something. Something is taking a hold of him. And so this is this man's son. So of course, he's very perplexed about the situation. He wants to see his son to be delivered. But he says that something has happened to him that not his degree can't do anything about it, his economic status can't do anything about it. It makes no difference how much influence he has in the community. It can do nothing about it. He needs the intervention of the Lord in order to eradicate this situation. So the man says he brought him to the people that were supposed to know what Jesus knows. Did you get that? He said, I brought him to your people. I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't cure him. Many times that's the indication of what's happened with us that are supposed to be representing Christ. People are coming to us looking for a solution, but we don't have the panacea to cure them. Did you get that? And so that's an indictment against the church or those who espouse to live the life of Christ living in them. So let's go on. He says, Jesus answered. So he's answering him now, and he says, listen. He said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now that's an incredible indictment right there from the Lord. He says, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Jesus basically said, bring the boy to me. Bring what you love to me. Bring your son to me. Bring what you have produced to me. Let me have it. See, he called them a faithless and perverse generation. So he's talking to you and I as well. And that's basically just to say that when you have no faith, after seeing what is possible with God, your ways and your life become crooked. That's what perverse means in this Connotation perverse. Something that's perverted means it's crooked. Now, no, we got a lot of other meanings that is attached to that, but that's basically the construct of it. it. Means that it's crooked. So, when you and I, family and friends, we see things that God do, and we know what He's possible of. But when we become faithless, when that happens to us, our ways. And our thoughts and our culture, we become crooked in the way that we think, in the way that we move, behave, and act. Did you get that? So he says, how long shall I be with you? Notice, Jesus said, I've been with you. You've seen the things that I am doing. Now, this is an indictment against the disciples. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to those that are supposed to know the things of God and the ways of God. He said, how long shall I be with you? And how long am I going to have to deal with this? Okay, so bring him to me. So here is Jesus saying, I'm going to show you again who I am. And then in verse 18 it says, And Jesus rebuked the devil, who in this particular passage of scripture is the antagonist against your faith. Did you get that? He rebuked the antagonist against your faith because if you look at this, He said the generation was faithless. So because they're faithless, then there is somebody that is attacking your faith to make you faithless. So it says Jesus rebuked the devil, the antagonist against your faith. And what happened? He departed out of him. him. So as soon as the Lord put up the stop sign and called him out, he says that the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, it says, then came the disciples, those that have been walking with Christ. They, they've they seen the things that he's done, and they came to Jesus apart. That means they drew him away from everything else. They got into a little secret meeting with him, and they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And what did Jesus reply to them? He said, because of your unbelief.' He said, for verily, I say unto you, if you... Have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder hence. And it shall remove. Basically saying move from over here to over there. And it's going to obey your voice. He says then, And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Notice the contrast here. The contrast is the smallest particle. Because he's talking about a faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now I know many of you have probably heard that priest in a million different ways. And so the contrast is that that grain of the mustard seed, the mustard seed being the smallest seed, he's not even asking for the seed itself. He's asking for the grain of it. Did you get that? So the Lord is telling us that all things are possible if we would just, Believe. So the contrast that the smallest particle, okay, that small particle is barely visible to the naked eye. Did you get that? Faith is, this faith is barely visible to the naked eye. He's making an uh, uh, allegorical statement here dealing with the grain of the mustard seed because it is barely visible. And then he contrasts that with a mountain. That is to say that it is a large object that is blocking your vision. Did you get that? A large object that is blocking your vision. You ever travel on the highways and you look and you're going through and you see mountains? When you see those mountains, generally you can't see anything past those because they're so monstrously huge. And many times, these are the circumstances that are in our life. These circumstances become so monstrously huge that we cannot see anything else. But the Lord Jesus here is saying, if you have enough belief in you, that's As small as the grain of the mustard seed, you can remove any object that is blocking your vision or blocking your destiny. Did you get that? That's a Selah moment. If you would believe just enough, you would have what you need to move any obstacle that is in your way that's blocking your vision or blocking you from reaching your destiny. All things are possible. Alright, let's turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Now you know that the Bible always gives references, and it says that, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. so this is the same story again, but it's told from a different perspective in the book of Mark, chapter nine, but it's the same it's the exact same story, but it's a it's told from a different perspective. so let's go there. Mark chapter nine, I'm turning. are you turning in your pages? All right, stick with me here. Mark chapter nine and verse seventeen. We're gonna to go to seventeen. Mark nine and seventeen. Now, this is a very uh very powerful scripture as well. Mark nine and seventeen. Okay. Now in here This is the same story, remember? We're saying that this is a man that he's come and he's brought his son that has been attacked. And so he wants deliverance. So he's bringing this child of his, he's bringing what he has produced unto the Lord Jesus so that there can be deliverance taking place for his son. So in 17 it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. So he's calling it what it is now. Now he's taking it's not only that, but he said it is a dumb spirit. And this is another thing we talk about the lunatic. We talk about that spirit. We talked about what it meant, and sometimes they make reference to that as an epileptic, uh, epileptic demon that was taking place in this child's life that had attached himself to this child. So he said he has a dumb spirit. He said, so wherever he take him, he tears him. And he foams and gnashes teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should, you know, get rid of him, cast him out, and they couldn't. So here's Jesus saying the same thing again. He said, "Faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him or tore him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. so as you can see, this same passage of scripture gets a little bit deeper into the details of what's taking place, so we see here that this young man was attacked by something and When that spirit saw Jesus, he went on a deeper attack. So what is that to say to you and me, family and friends? Sometimes when we're going through situations and circumstances, and those situations and circumstances, they see that uh, in our life that Christ is standing for us. He's standing up for us, and he's getting ready to come against the very thing that's ailing us or troubling us the fight becomes more intense and vicious. Did you get that? So that means that when the circumstances in your life see Christ standing for you, those circumstances will become more intense and vicious. And many times, this is the place where people fall away every time. They fall away because they lose heart. They lose stamina. They lose courage because the heat intensifies and it operates on a deeper level than it was before. Because here it is. Look at what it said. It said they brought him to him. It says that when he saw him straightway, the spirit tore him. So there was a There was a collision that took place. There was a confrontation that takes place. So many times in our life, we got situations and circumstances and things that we're dealing with in our own nature, in our own being, in our own thought process. And when it comes into contact with Christ, there is a collision course that takes place. And many times those things will amp up even further and even deeper than they were before. And those times. We lose faith, we lose heart, we get faith in the heart, and we want to quit. But that is when the deliverance is right on the cusp. Or that is really when the groundbreaking attributes of Christ is going to be manifested at that time. So he says, and he asked the father, this is the Lord, Jesus, he's talking to his dad now. He asked the father, he said, so how long is it ago since this came unto him? And then the father said, of a child. So there is an indication right there that the child was born, it seems to be okay, when he first came. But it says it came of a child. It didn't say how old he was when it happened. It didn't say if he was an infant. It didn't say how old he was. Was he a toddler? Was he a young boy or whatever? But we know that, obviously, this son has grown up because it says that it came to him. Jesus asked and said, Of a child. So since he was a child. He said this. How long is it ago since this came unto him. So Jesus is very specific. Because he knows that something has come and attached itself to this boy. So what do we see in this as well? That this condition does not move the Lord. Our condition does not move him. Why? Because he has mastery over it. Because as we look at the story here, the boy is on the ground and this condition is tearing him up. So for you and me, many times we can be going through things that can be tearing us up and has totally knocked us off our feet and put us on the ground. And we're manifesting, got us wallowing, we're foaming, we're just heaving, we're like, oh Lord, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I can't get through it and this is too much for me. We're going through and God, where are you? And the Lord is there the whole time. And he's there, he's there quizzing and being inquisitive and questioning the Father at this time saying, Well, when did this thing happen? And so that's just like for you and me, you know, the Lord is there like, Well, when did this thing come to pass? And we're sitting over here having a fit. But he's not having a fit. He's calm, cool, and collected. Why? Because he knows he is the mastery. He has mastery over life and the conditions of life. So here's the father going on further. He said, Oftentimes they cast him into the fire and into the waters. Now we are dealing with those elements that can destroy. Cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. He said, But listen, if you can do anything, hey, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How many times have we cried that to the Lord? Lord, if you can do anything about this. If you can do anything, will you please have some compassion on me? And will you please help me? So this man is in a place to where he can receive because he recognizes that he does not have the power. He does not have the authority in and of himself to deal with what's going on in his son's life. And what did Jesus say? He says, if thou canst believe. Did you get that? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now that ought to bring you victory right there because I know I'm shouting in my own spirit right now. He said, if you can believe. So there is the prerequisite there. It's if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. All things. He didn't say some things. He didn't say a few things. He said all things are possible to him that believes. Verse 24. Let's read that together. It says, after Jesus made that declaration, it says in 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out. Okay, he wasn't soft with it. He wasn't... Under the radar with it. It said that he cried out. Not only did he cry out, but he said with tears. So not only did he cry out with a shout, he said it with tears. That means that it came from the deepest part of his being. His soul was crying out at this moment. He was at a place of No return. Lord, I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm crying out right now. How many of you out there on this broadcast have been crying out to the Lord with tears, asking, Lord, I believe you, but help thou my unbelief. Did you get that? How many of us are saying that even right now? Lord, I believe. I do believe. I know you're God, I know that you can do all things, I know that you have all power, but I need you to do one thing for me. Help the unbelief that's in me. So we understand from that family and friends that we believe that he is able to do all things, but what we must surrender is that part of us that chooses not to believe. Did you get that? I'm going to repeat that one more time. We believe that God himself is able to do all things. We say that in our confession. We say that when we go to church. We say that when we out of church. We say that when a circumstance or a situation arises in our life that's too big for us to handle. We believe that he is able to do all things. Because remember, this man came kneeling before God first. So he had the right position and he had the right attitude. Many of us have the right position and have the right attitude. But there is still something that resonates inside our being that we need the Lord to help us with. And that part is what is in us that do not want to believe. Did you get that? So we got to surrender the part that chooses not to believe. So what happened then? Verse 25. So when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying to him, thou dumb and deaf spirit. Now Jesus is being emphatically precise with his methodology. He says, you are a dumb and deaf spirit. He said, I charge thee. Now that that goes in so many different realms. And speaks in so many different parameters when he says that. Because if there's something that is dumb, then it does not understand. So the Lord is rebuking that part in you and me that does not understand. That part of us that tries to understand but cannot understand. And then there's that deaf part of us that does not want to hear of the things of God. Did you get that? He said, I charge thee, come out of him and into him, into no more, into him. So he gave the command. Then 26, it says, and the spirit cried. Now first the father cried to get help and cried because of his unbelief. But now after the Lord Jesus has shown up, the master of life, and rebuked this thing and made it come out of him, then the spirit itself cried. It came out. See, many times when we're going through things, those situations and circumstances, they will make some noise before they leave. Did you get that? Things that you're going through, situations, circumstances, conditions that you're dealing with, before they leave on the command of the Lord, they will try to make some noise. But it says the Spirit cried and rent him sore. That means it was a tearing that took place and it came out of him. So many times we get torn with different things that we go through when things that are attached to us is not supposed to be lodged within our being. And when the Lord gives it a command, there is something that takes place inside of us where there's a ripping, a tearing, something has to be extracted from us. See, the only way that it could be torn it could rend him and tear him sore is because it was lodged into his being. And that's what it's like for you and me. Sometimes our mental thoughts and our mind processes, when we don't believe God for things, I know because I can attest for things in my own life that I believe that God is, but I didn't believe that he would do it. And so he's been showing me, family and friends, that he is faithful to keep, His promises, and that what he says he can do, he will do. So it says that he came out of him, and he was as one dead, inasmuch that many said he is dead. Now why are they gonna say that he's dead? Okay, that's because the only thing that acted like it was living in him was something that did not even belong to him. Did you get that? The only thing that was actively alive in this boy did not really belong to him. It was a foreign spirit. It was something that wasn't even supposed to be with him. But because of the activity of that thing, that's what made him seem to be alive. And so when he came out, it was like he was dead. There was no activity. There was total peace. There was something he was just as still as he could be. See, when we go through stuff and the Lord delivers us from stuff, we can get still. Sometimes it feels like we're not even breathing at that moment because we got such a calm and such a peace that comes over us because the Lord has taken things up out of us. Verse 27 says, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. So we're seeing the power of God operating, saying that all things are possible. And our job is to believe in the possibility of what God can and will do. But remember, the injunction here is if you can believe. So there's some activity that got to take place on our hand. Every time we're in a situation or circumstance that refuses to believe, we got to submit that part unto God that don't want to believe what God has actually stated or what he's saying. Did you get that? This is good for me as well. I'm learning as, as, as he's giving this out. We've got to learn how to speak and believe what God says is possible. Did you get that? Speak and believe what God says is possible. And then anything that comes up that's contrary to that, we got to be just like the man in this story here. we got to submit it. we got to cry out and say, Lord, I believe, but help the part of me that don't want to believe. And when we do that, we can see victory. So here in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. This is another one here. And as we say, turn in your Bible have Mark 10. And you ain't got to go far. We was just in 9, so just go on to chapter 10. Now, in this particular thing, uh, the Lord Jesus has been teaching about a lot of things. He's teaching about marriage. He's taught about divorce. He's teaching about little children coming unto him. And so these are the things that he's dealing with first before he gets to 17. So now he's in 17 after he has taught some phenomenal, powerful, life-changing words of life to the people in these other two quick stories. Now he's at chapter 10, verse 17. All right? And in this, you probably have heard this, like I say a million times. I'm sure you've heard it about the rich young ruler. All right, so we're going to go in here because we're still dealing with all things are possible to him that believes. Now, let's look at 17. It says that when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. So here we are again. We just talked about this a minute ago. This young man has come to the Lord and he came to him and kneeled. So what does that tell us? We can come to the Lord in the right attitude and the right position because that's exactly what he did. So he asked the good master, "What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" So this individual is just like you and me. We want to know how we're going to live past natural circumstances. In the meeting before We wanted to know how we could be delivered from something that was giving us trouble and that was vexing us in reference to the story of the the father and his son. So now here we are wanting to know about eternal life. How can we inherit, how can we get this life into us that will never die? So he said unto the good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And then what does Jesus say? He said, why call thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. So there is Christ is making reference back to that it is God where all good things come from, and what did Jesus continue on to say? He said, "Listen, you know the commandments, right?" Basically talking to the young guy. He said, "Listen, uh, you you know what the commandments are. You already know what the laws are that were laid down. You know what Moses put before, uh, as far as the precepts that we're to follow. You know these things, and he said these are things like what." Well, one of them is don't don't commit adultery. All right, we know that. Okay, don't kill. He says don't steal, don't bear false witness or don't lie. He says defraud not. You know, don't 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 be a fraud. Don't take things from people and don't lie on people. He says honor your father and your mother. So there's Jesus. He's just basically throwing out a few of the commandments to this young man. Notice he didn't have to go through all of them because this young man was familiar with the law, very familiar. So that's how we can be. We can be so familiar with the laws of God or so familiar with the religion aspect of following God that we don't see the deeper things. Did you get that? Because this is what he said. Look at verse 20. He answered and said to him, he said, listen, Master, all things have I observed from my youth. Alright, basically tell listen, since I was really small, since I was really, really young, I've been doing these things, and that's how we are with God. You know, we come in asking God for something that only He can give, but yet we want to pull out our resume on Him about all the things that we have done, even when Paul's were asking the question. But see, the Lord Jesus is always digging for a deeper response. See, he wants us to come from a deeper place than our intellect and than our mentality. He wants us to come from a place of where our spirit lodges. Did you get that? So there's the man. He answered and said, listen, I've already did all of that. I've done that. How many times we go before God and say, God, I've already done that. Let's not rehearse that again. I done did all those things. You said do this, do that. Okay, I've done all those things. What now? Now I'm waiting on the next thing. So Jesus, you know, beholding him, this is verse 21, it said that Jesus beholding him, he loved him, right? He loved him, he's got nothing but love for this man. And he said unto him, he said, listen, he said, there's one thing that you lack. One thing, all right? You've done all of that. And see, Jesus is pulling on him because he knows that this one thing is going to be the one thing that he don't want to separate from. See, that's how it is with you and me. God will put us in a position or situation and we'll come looking for him for something, but he will pull on this one thing that we don't want to we don't want to give up. Or this one thing that we don't want to part with. We'll do everything else, but it's this one thing that we just want, and that's where Jesus will always go with you and me. He will always go to that deep place in us that does not want to part and sacrifice to walk fully with him. And this is what's happening with this young man. He said, okay, so one thing that you lack is one thing you don't have, my son. He said, go on about your way. I'm going to tell you what to do. Go on about your way. Go your way. He said, now I want you to sell whatsoever you have. Sell it. So if you sell something, that means that you get some proceeds for that. See, we can't read the word of God so fast. He said, I want you to do something. So in other words, God will put a demand on you and me in order for a transaction to take place. Did you get that? Sometimes he will do that to see our commitment. So he says, look, go your way. Sell whatever you got. So he's putting them into action. I'm giving you a call to action. Sell whatever you have, and then what he say do? He said and give. First he said sell, then he said give. So he said sell what you got, and then give it to the poor. That's what he said. He said and thou. He says you, you're gonna have treasure. In heaven, then he says this, and then come. Now, he got to do those things first. So remember, these are steps in here for you and me. Sell what you, go your way first. Go on about your business first. Sell what you got in your possession. Give what you got to the poor from the proceeds of what you sell. And then you're going to have treasure in heaven. Right? So that's going to be the transaction. He says, and then he said, come and take up the cross and follow me. He says, take up the cross and follow me. So basically what the Lord is saying to this this man is, I want you to take up my way of life. Did you get that? He said, I want you to take up the way of self-denial. This is what it is. And this is what it is for you and me. Many times we can't get to where we want to be in God because we can't take up the cross of self-denial. And this is what Jesus is asking him to do. He says, take up the cross. The cross is an annihilating effector. The cross is a killing agent. It kills everything in us that is contrary to God. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, take up the.'" Cross and then follow me. So take up my way of life. Take up this annihilating, germ-killing, sin-denouncing cross and follow me. Verse twenty-two. And he was sad. <laughs> Did you get? Your, are y'all reading this? <laughs> he heard all of that from the Lord. Now, first, listen. We come to God and we're all hyped up. We full of zeal we full of zest. Remember, look at him in, in verse 19. He said, I don't do none of this. He said, oh, verse 20, he said, listen, I've done all these things. Jesus said, listen, don't bear false witness. Do the commandments. Honor your father and mother. Oh, he's full, he full of passion right here. He's full of life right here. He said, Master, look, I've observed all of these things. I done did this. Now give me this eternal life that I'm asking for. After Jesus broke him off, that, he said, I'm sad. So he said he was sad at that saying. And not only was he sad, it says he went away grieved. Well, why was he grieved? Because he had great possessions. See, that's you and me, family and friends. That's you and me. It doesn't matter what type of possession it is. If we possess possessing anything and valuing it other than Christ, there's going to be a conflict that's going to arise at some point in time. Did you get that? If there's any possessions that you and I have that exhausts itself larger than Christ, it's going to have a collision course conflict at some point in time. See, Jesus went past everything that he was saying. That's what he does with me at times. I'm sure he do it with you too. Sometimes he'll go past all of your rhetoric and everything that you're talking about. He'll get right to that thing that you don't want to mention or you don't want to deal with. Because it said, the man was sad when he heard that. And he was grieved. That means that, oh, he was tore up. And we can walk away from God sometimes and be tore up because God is putting a demand on that very thing that we don't want to get rid of. It says, for he had great possessions. Verse 23. And Jesus looked round about, he just looking around, and he said to his disciples, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He's basically saying it's going to be a difficult time for those that have things that are other than me. That's basically what he's saying. Now in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about riches, but that's just things that we hold dear to, that we put more preeminence and more importance on than having a walking, thriving, vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, it says, And the disciples were astonished at his words. They were taken aback by what Jesus had just said. But Jesus answered again, and he said unto them, He said, Children, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? So he basically repeated it again. But he puts a little bit more depth on it this time. Because he said, how hard is it for them that trust? So let us get this clear. Jesus never said it was wrong to have riches. The problem is where is your trust? Because This young person here, this man here, he was trusting in what he had. But what he had was everything that was not Christ. And that is what it is for you and me. We can trust in what we have thinking that it's going to take us the long mile run. But if we don't have Christ, then our running will be futile. Because in Proverbs 3, Verse 5 and 6, it tells us, Trust who? In the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. This man needed his path directed. We need our path directed. But it says we got to first trust in the Lord with all of our heart. See, his heart was not fully trusted in God and that's what it's like for us many times God will have a portion or even if it's a large portion it might be 90 percent of our heart that we believe in God but there's that ten percent that does not believe and that's what it was with this man he had a lot of his heart that wanted to go towards God cuz he knew who God was he came in the right posture he came uh, in the right spirit to him but There was not a total consecration of his entire being. So that's why it says he needed to go somewhere. He was looking for a pathway. And his own understanding could not wrap around the concept of what Jesus was laying out. Because it said he went away grieved and he was sad. Because he had a lot of possessions. Many times when we try to lean on what we think we know. That very thing will cause us grief when it comes to the kingdom of God. Did you get that? So it says that he was sad when he walked away. And then here is Jesus. He's going to go a little bit more deeper. Verse 25. He says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now you can see for yourself that that's an impossibility. Just picture a camel and picture the eye of a needle. Now there's many stories and passages that talks about the eye of the needle over in, in, in those ancient times, it was a gateway to enter into a place. And so camels couldn't go through it That they had to, uh, a, a camel would have to lay itself all the way down. In order to get through this little narrow passageway. It's it's the same thing when Jesus says about narrow is the road, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path of life, those that find it. So basically he's telling you and me in this, however way people want to phrase it, God is saying that you can't bring your things through the passageway of the kingdom of God unless you do it God's way. You see that? That's the only way you're going to be able to do that because if you bring in everything that you have, he says it's easier it's easier for a camel to do it than for a rich man to enter there because he trusted in his possessions. He didn't say it was wrong to be rich. He said that if you're trusting in what you have, and not trusting in me, then what you have will keep you out of the kingdom of God. Did you get that? So verse 26 says, And they were astonished out of measure. Here they are. They are totally astonished. That word astonished is a strong word. You know, it means that you have totally just been wrecked. You know, you have just really been, uh, something has happened to you and it's just totally just struck you. It says, they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, well, who then can be saved? They're like, oh my God, well, who, who can get here? Who can have this eternal life? And then Jesus looked upon them said, he says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. You see that? So we understand that in these stories, talking about this eye of the needle and a camel going through, okay, that's an impossibility. Many situations in our life are a total impossibility. But here is Jesus telling us that not with God. He says, with God, all things are possible. Now, we go back to the definition of possible like we talked about before. That definition of possible means it's able to be done. Is able to be done within the power or the capacity of someone or something. So that tells us for us as believers that what we are believing for that seems to be impossible, it is able to be done within the power or capacity of God. Because he is that someone or that something. It is God himself. All things are possible. The Lord Jesus told us time and time again, all things are possible to him that believes. So the fight for you and me, family and friends, is what do you believe? And that's what it comes down to. What do you believe? And then not only what do you believe, but if you can believe what you believe. Did you get that? Not only what do you believe. But the question is, if you can believe what you believe. Because Jesus said, if thou can believe. So the responsibility comes back to us. God does not do everything for us without us participating in what he is bringing to pass. Everything in your life, family and friends, is going to take some effort and participation from you. Now, the effort and participation from you may not be in the way that your understanding links you to it. Because Jesus said, all we have to do is believe. But that believing process is so deep, it's so multifaceted, it goes on so many different levels. For instance, I could believe for something and you could be believing for something. Now, the level of my belief for this thing may be at a smaller level. I may be believing in getting a raise or adding a couple more dollars to a paycheck. You may be believing for an airplane to take you around the world because you got things to do on different continents. It's still belief. It's still belief. It's still if you can believe. You see? So the measure of it is all in what we attribute to it. So when we see people that are moving in larger capacities, many times they are believing for bigger things. And a lot of times they need those things in order to comply and to fulfill the mandate and the call that is on their life. That's why we should never get envious, jealous, jealous. Or beside ourselves or think that God is withholding from us or won't do for us. Because God is not a respecter of persons. What he does for one is open for all. But the question is, if you can believe. And family and friends, ladies and gentlemen. If you can believe what you are believing for, then guess what? All Things are possible. All things are possible. I pray that this broadcast tonight has elevated your faith. I pray that it has stirred up something in you to make you believe the very thing that you've been wanting God to do and you've been believing that can happen, but it's been something that's been nagging inside your heart or in your mind that's been causing you not to believe. If you would get to this place and be able to surrender that unto God and say, Father, help that place in me that don't want to believe because I know that all things are possible to him that believes. And so I pray that this will activate you to another level of faith in your life. Remember, it was faith as a grain of a mustard seed. That type of faith. God is asking us, you and me, to just believe that he can do it. Because if it's possible, he is in the possibility. My name is James Fox. This is The Defender. We are on every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m., Central Standard Time, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Remember that all things are possible unto you. We will see you again next week, same time. Enjoy your holiday. Have a great night. We love you. God bless you.
0: The Defender is an online radio broadcast geared toward teaching the Word of God. Our aim is to present the scriptures of the Bible in an informative, systematic process that exalts the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We strive for the inherent and accurate interpretation of the scriptures by revelation from the Holy Spirit. We are established to give His counsel as pertains to what He has revealed in His Word. Tune in next time for The Defender. The Defender is copyright by James Fox Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.